Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverens. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Tuesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you this morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Happy St. Valentine's Day. It's also the memorial of St. Cyril and Methodius, the patrons of Europe. Now, in case you missed us talking about it uh, yesterday on Monday, uh, a huge heartfelt thank you once again to our Relevant Radio family for another simply Absolutely amazing give from the heart winter pledge drive last week. Thank you again for your incredible generosity. It was unbelievable support. We reached our goal of $3 million in the final minutes, the last 12 minutes of the Drew Mariani show last Friday. Uh, Thank you to Our Lady of Lourdes uh, for her intercession as well. Now, if you did miss uh, last week's uh, pledge drive for whatever reason, you maybe you were on vacation out of the country, you can still give from the heart and make a tax-deductible donation by calling 877-291-0123, or you can also uh, give from the heart online at relevantradio.com, or you can make a pledge through the Relevant Radio app. On Tuesdays, I always take a moment to remind you that we should pray to our guardian angel. Even though you can't see them, these heavenly companions are present with you. We should ask our guardian angel for help in our everyday lives. I want to bring in our morning air team as we do every morning, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the big stories that are making headlines here on this uh, Tuesday morning? Uh, sad news out of Michigan State University, an academic building there, the site of a mass shooting. Gunman uh, killed three, critically injured five more, and then took his his own life. And uh, so, again, three dead and uh, those that were injured in very serious condition at this point as well. Again, the gunman uh, no longer on the loose, uh, killed himself as, as cops moved in. Yeah, a very sad situation uh, when I heard about that this morning. Uh, it just it seems like these so-called mass shootings are becoming so common. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody who uh, mentions those mentions how, how common they are, and we kind of get a little desensitized to them, horrific as they are. Yeah, and you, you think about, just imagine the, the, the fear of those college students on campus um, for the next 48 hours, basically on hold. Uh, with, with, you know, the moment they found out that this was happening, can you imagine how terrifying it must have been for them? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, no uh, no news on any motive either. Absolutely. Well, we will uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, lots of rumors continue to fly all over the place uh, concerning uh, the uh, balloons. And uh, the Biden administration uh, has said uh, so little uh, in the last uh, 10 days or so. Yeah, no idea exactly what this was. Of course, that Chinese spy balloon, we know what that was. We saw the video of that being taken down over uh, off the coast of South Carolina a little over a week ago. But uh, last weekend, three days in a row, three different uh, flying objects. Not sure what they were. They haven't been identified yet. Not sure if indeed they were balloons or exactly what they were, but they were uh, a much lower altitude than the spy balloon that was allowed to traverse the U.S. and said to be uh, putting... Uh, 
air travel in danger perhaps, and so they were taken down in Alaska or Yukon in Canada and over Lake Huron off uh, Michigan uh, shoreline as well. And so it's kind of weird. No, uh, no word on what, if anything, has been recovered yet, uh, whether they were... More Chinese balloons, spy balloons from other countries, something else. Uh, <laughs> something one government from official ruled another out. world. They, yeah, <laughs> somebody, mean, yeah, they ruled. They did not rule out uh, <laughs> something from another planet. So uh, that's always you know, that's, the go-to when they yeah. don't want to say what it really is. <laughs> so like, maybe we might never know. <laughs> yeah, there's you know, some concerns that that uh, the president uh, should step up to the plate and at least uh, try to keep the American people up to date as to what is going on because uh, you know, the, like. The, like you said, there's a lot of theories, and, and no one knows for sure at this point. So hopefully we're going to hear from the Biden administration uh, anytime uh, here soon. You know, one article I read yesterday talked about, well, do we really want to know if it's from a, a nuclear-armed country that doesn't like us and we're shooting their things down? Or, um, you know, those with a superior intelligence to be able to launch something from another planet, and now we may have inadvertently started a war with them by shooting their things down. So <laughs> so we wait and see. You know, we're laughing about it at the moment, and uh, hopefully it uh, it remains laughable. Other theories, too, that were more on higher alert, basically, uh, figuratively and literally, since the Chinese spy balloon. So maybe we're, we're seeing random things a little more closely than before. Uh, there's some thought, too, that, uh, you know, whatever they were, the government got so much grief for not taking out the Chinese spy balloon sooner that now, you know, kids' party balloon from uh, Ontario floats down and it's it's going to be gone soon. Uh, speaking of party balloons, uh, there'll be some red balloons and flowers and lots of candies today on Valentine's Day. Uh, how are you guys uh, planning to celebrate? Well, um... <laughs> I'll set the bar really low for you. We have church things all day long. Hey, there's the ordination and installation of a new bishop, Patrick Neary, in the Diocese of uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota, a neighboring diocese, to do some work with priests there. And uh, that will be a beautiful thing. That's going on this afternoon. And then tonight, there's some discipleship training. So, sorry, honey, um, we'll we'll catch up with some romance at some point. That's what I have to say. Hopefully, you guys are doing better. Well, Glenn, my bar is just slightly higher than yours. You know, we always shoot for a high bar when it comes to Valentine's Day. But, you know, you always have to be ready for the bar to get lowered as the day goes on and chaos develops. So we'll hopefully try to have dinner as a family and maybe even make like a, a pizza, a heart-shaped pizza or something. But you never know. It might just come down to chicken nuggets at the end of the day <laughs> saying some nice things about each other maybe. But you never We always try to go for the, the good stuff, make it a big, nice day, and we'll see what happens they say that love is in the air on on this day the so-called most romantic day of the year and uh, uh my wife cindy and i we have a tradition she doesn't like to go out to restaurants and be uh, stuck in all that traffic and uh, commotion in uh, crowded restaurants she'd rather have a beautiful intimate fancy sit down candlelight uh, dinner with good nice soft music uh and so that's uh, that's the plans once again uh this evening uh, i believe that salmon is on the menu well, Joseph oh, Dominic be your maitre d'. I feel like I could see him in a nice <laughs> dressed-up shirt with a little towel over his arm. What can I have yeah, for you this evening? You that go. would be nice. That's so funny that you mentioned that. He's actually uh, helped in that uh, fashion in the past, so we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. All right. Okay, well, happy Valentine's Day to all of our listeners here this morning. As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn and Sarah. And we always yeah, start sure every single morning, every show, every hour in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit every time we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, I trust in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, can you believe that Lent is literally right around the corner? Ash Wednesday is coming up a week uh, from tomorrow, February 22nd. I want to remind you that you can elevate your Lent this year in just a couple of minutes every day with Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. They are jam-packed with all kinds of interesting facts and teachings to help you learn more about the Mass in your faith. See why these bite-sized videos uh, had over one million views just last year. You can sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass this morning. You can do it this morning at relevantradio.com slash Lent. And uh, the good news is they are 100% free. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show, and you can always shoot us an email directly, morningair at relevantradio.com. A number if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. And now it is time once again for Tech Tuesday. <laughs> Ready to assist you. Okay, okay. I love that little robot <laughs> when it comes to technology and how uh, it's rapidly advancing. Have you thought about the consequences of product development in the technology industry? According to our first guest, the product development journey goes from idea to product, but there is a lack of consideration for possible misuse or harm that could come from these products. Joining us live once again is our tech expert and longtime Morning Air contributor, Mark Mastriani, to talk about his new ebook, Could the Most Dangerous Word in Tech, and also to discuss ethics in the tech business. Uh, Mark is a passionate Catholic dad, husband, with 20-plus years of uh, technology, new product development experience. For all things faith and tech, you can follow Mark on Twitter, at GodLovesTech. Good morning, Mark. Thanks so much for joining us uh, on, on another Tech Tuesday. Uh, it's great to be with you uh, once again. And first of all, congratulations on your new ebook. Thanks so much. Happy Valentine's Day to the Morning Air team and happy Tech Tuesday to everyone out there. And uh, happy Valentine's Day to you, uh, too. Uh, Mark, uh, what is uh, the, uh, the, uh, the reality that you have seen as a tech expert on and some of the consequences of uh, product development uh, in the industry? Yeah, the very best way to kind of come at this, John, is with an example. We're coming close to a 10-year anniversary of something that's very significant, uh, but also a little ominous. Ten years ago, in a lab called Lab 126, which is a, a, a lab created by Amazon, uh, not on their primary campus in Seattle, Washington, but in a, in a smaller kind of rogue office in Sunnyvale, California. Lab 126 was the product development team within Amazon 
that was responsible for the successes in the late 2000s, early 2010s of the Kindle platform and also the, the Kindle Fire. As a result of all those successes, they had to look around the table and come up with something new. So 10 years ago, roughly Q1 of 2013, that team looks around the table and says to themselves, what's the next big move? What could we come up with? And if you close your eyes and imagine this room, you've got very talented business and engineering folks around the table. They are, they are not rookies, okay? This team is highly talented with great experience, uh, former engineers from Palm. Uh, again, the co-developers of all the Kindles are sitting around the table. And one of the business leaders walks in the room and says, you know what, folks? We have a, a sibling division that has just released six years ago AWS, Amazon Web Services, a web uh, platform in the cloud that allows processing to happen at record speed using the internet. So let's, let's think about that as context in the product development of this next new big thing. Well, the table scratches their heads and they start doodling on the whiteboard. And what comes around the table is, if we could use AWS to process audio real time, could we, could we create a smart speaker for the home that allows the user to ask the internet questions and get quick answers? And by utilizing the brain of AWS, the device itself does not need to be very expensive. It could be very cheap. The electronics to capture the audio, shoot it to the internet, receive the signal back, and play the audio through the speaker is much cheaper than if the processing needed to happen inside the speaker itself. Well, could we do that? And everyone looks at each other and nods, yeah. We could do that. If you heard me say the, the word could a thousand times in that example, that was, un, that was intentional, right? That's how smart, good people with great ideas start a brainstorming process. Could this be done? Well, in some, uh, as you know, the, the punchline of this story is Amazon Echo comes out in fall of 2014. Well, what is now looking back in retrospect, what do we think about the Amazon Echo? Well, it's got some mixed reviews now. The capturing of our voices and determining in the cloud if we're talking to the Echo or not is perceived to be a little evil. <laughs> Some people have strong opinions about the Amazon Echo. Uh, perhaps and an intrusion, uh, privacy issues? Exactly right. So in my very honest opinion, not knowing anyone who was in the room at that time, but being the kind of person who's in that kind of room very often, I can say there's very low likelihood that there was any malice, intention, 
at that time. It was a series of could questions. Could we do it? Is it low cost to produce at high margin? And the answer was, as we can see, from five generations of this product, yes, it could be done. Uh, but what I'm proposing is that that shouldn't be the end of the discussion. There are other industries where there's some belt and suspenders to make sure that a product can't hurt a person. And I'm also not advocating for medical device FDA-style regulation around consumer electronics either. I think there's a middle ground. Let's go to that medical device analogy real quickly. In medical device space, I spent 11 years uh, with teams producing hearing aids from 2006 to 2017. And what I witnessed is something called a hazard analysis. Well, what's a hazard analysis? It is a series of questions saying to each other with an honest, open mind, how could this hurt someone? How could this hurt someone? And so you look around the room and you say, okay, the battery could short circuit causing an electrical reaction that could uh, spark a fire. How do we mitigate the risk of the battery short circuiting or fire occurring, right? Worst case scenario kind of questions. Those hazard analyses in the medical device space take into account how the thing is designed, what its intended use is, but also to the best of the team's ability, what are some accidental or unintended uses of the product to keep the product from hurting someone? Same thing in the aerospace uh, industry. I spent my first two years out of undergrad in the aerospace industry. I, again, I don't recommend that consumer electronics industry take on the regulation and um, what's called factors of safety from the, air, uh, from the aerospace industry. However, in the aerospace industry, my first job was to make sure that electronics don't accidentally pop loose when they are being shot into space. <laughs> my, my, literally, my first project was a piece of electronics needs to stay clipped to its mounting fixtures during takeoff and landing off of an aircraft carrier. Okay, so how do you know if your product is going to survive? You take the force of leaping off or landing on an aircraft carrier, and you actually multiply it by two, by four, by 10, if you're being very cautious. That's called factors of safety. Again, I'm not proposing that that's the right fit for consumer electronics. It's just evidence out there in the world that people take great care when the functionality of a product needs to stay, stay incredibly reliable uh, no matter what. Okay, so with those kind of examples in mind, what uh, this book is really about uh, it's an answer to the questions I get <laughs> quite often, uh, not only here on Tech Tuesday, but also, you know, around the family dinner table or, uh, you know, on Twitter, things that I see and I notice um, 
it all started kind of three years ago when smart TVs uh, with cameras attached started to turn on their cameras unintentionally and recording the people around the TV. That was a could. Someone who was in that smart TV uh, conference room drawing on a whiteboard, wouldn't it be good to know where the person was sitting so we can steer the audio and make their experience better? Of course, that's a good could. What's the unintended consequence of turning on a camera on a, on a TV? Someone might not want themselves to be seen. It feels like Big Brother. That's right. Yeah, and you wonder who's out there, you know, watching uh, surveillance, uh, you know, which reminds me of the question of uh, TikTok, you know, uh, being concerned uh, that uh, people in China somewhere are monitoring uh, what somebody is doing on TikTok. That's so true. So. So how do we respond to those concerns, right? I think a, you know, a couple hours, instead of a few days with every single functional group doing a thorough medical device style hazard analysis, it's probably two hours in a room with smart people looking at things from an unintended consequence point of view. It's a very stripped down light version uh, without being regulated by a, a particular government or an ideology, we turn could into should, right? That's the kind of the, the, the impetus or the purpose of this book is to say, let's apply good godly virtues like prudence. When, as you know, John and uh, Tech Tuesday audience, I love this virtue. I practice this virtue whenever I can. Uh, wouldn't it be prudent to turn these could questions into should questions to make our products better? That's the whole goal of the book, and I hope uh, folks out there get a chance to consider this. It also comes from my personal journey and uh, some roles around that particular table whose job it is to create these breakthrough technology features in products that are in our hands and our pockets uh, today. Once again, uh, the name of the new ebook by uh, Mark Mastrani, our tech expert, is called Could, the Most Dangerous Word in Tech. Mark, real quick, where can our listeners uh, find your ebook? I'll have a link on my Twitter account, God Loves Tech, at God Loves Tech. You'll see a post to this, this discussion and a link to a discounted version of the book. Just like in technology, I have a beta version of this book available for our audience to read at a discount. You are the tech wizard. So much appreciated, uh, Mark. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Many blessings to you. Mark Mastrani, our tech expert for all things faith and tech. You can always follow Mark on Twitter at God Loves Tech. We need to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about last week's State of the Union address and how our nation is really doing with attorney and political analyst Alfonso Aguilar, the political director of Americano Media. Stay with us. There is much more to come on this Tuesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 
when we're out together dancing cheek to cheek. Heaven. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. Yes, indeed. Good morning and welcome back to Morning Air. Happy Valentine's Day to you. I hope you're enjoying uh, this lovely love music. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us on this Tuesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. In case you missed it, in case you missed us talking about it yesterday and here at the top of the show, uh, j- again, just thank you. I can't say it enough to you, our Relevant Radio family, for another uh, outstanding Give From the Heart uh, winner pledge drive last week. Thank you for your unbelievable uh, generosity. It really was uh, incredible. Uh, we reached our goal of $3 million in the final minute. You talk about down to stress. There was about 12 minutes to go on the Drew Mariani show last Friday when we reached that $3 million goal to keep us going for another three months. And thank you uh, to Our Lady of Lourdes. So many of you uh, opened your heart and gave in honor of uh, the Mother of God, of Our Lady of Lourdes. If you missed last week's uh, Pledge Drive a party for whatever reason, uh, you can still give from the heart and make a tax-deductible donation by calling 877-291-0123, or you can do it online at relevantradio.com or by making a pledge through the Relevant Radio app. Again, Thank you so much. Can't say it enough. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Imagine all the saints, the heroes of our faith, crowded into a spiritual stadium, looking down from heaven on the faithful running the race of faith, cheering us on to that ultimate victory of heaven. The communion of saints in heaven are praying for us and interceding for us because we are one body in Christ. And at the end of the race, at the finish line, stands our blessed Lord Jesus, waiting with open arms to reward us in paradise. Keep running the race of life with perseverance, with our eyes fixed on our leader, Christ Jesus the Lord. We always pray with great confidence that prayer from the chapel of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the show this morning, 888-914-9149. Now, last week, we were just a a little bit busy uh, with uh, the uh, Give from the Heart uh, pledge drive and also uh, uh, over the weekend uh, with the Super Bowl. So uh, it was a big week, so we really didn't have a chance to uh, talk about a whole lot of of, uh, other things, including politics. But uh, last Tuesday night, uh, President Biden gave his second State of the Union address uh, that some say served as a soft launch for his 2024 presidential uh, bid with uh, lots of cheering uh, from uh, the Democrats for his calls to uh, ban assault weapons and codify Roe v. Wade and lots of boos and cheers uh, from the other side, from the Republicans on the border and Social Security. 
My administration has cut the deficit by more than $1.7 trillion. The largest deficit reduction in American history. <clears throat> Under the previous administration, the American deficit went up four years in a row. Because those record deficits, no president added more to the national debt in any four years than my predecessor. Nearly 25% of the entire national debt that took over 200 years to accumulate was added by just one administration alone, the last one. They're the facts. Check it out. Check it out. And uh, what were some of the key moments of the State of the Union address, and why does our Catholic president continue to push abortion on demand to the limit as part of his agenda? Joining us live uh, with much more from Washington, D.C., for a Catholic perspective on President Biden's State of the Union address uh, last week is attorney and political analyst Alfonso Aguilar, the political director of Americano Media. Alfonso is a frequent guest on Fox News, MSNBC, Telemundo, Univision and CNN in Espanol, and he has published opinion columns in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, and of course is a regular contributor to Morning Air. Good morning, Alfonso. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you once again. Good, good morning, John. Always a pleasure to be with you. Alfonso, uh, it's been a week now. We've had plenty of time to uh, think about it. Uh, what's your overall take on uh, President Biden's State of the Union address? Well, not impressed. Uh, as you said in your intro, uh, I think it was uh, a political speech. Uh, I think this is uh, uh, the, the, the beginning of his uh, uh, campaign for re-election. Uh, the rumors here in Washington that he may announce uh, his um, uh, campaign for re-election in next month or, or the following. And what we heard is basically the message that he's going to use uh, during the campaign, uh, which is to paint a rosy picture of the economy and minimize the impact of inflation, which is what he did at the very beginning. You know, he mentioned the job numbers, which uh, the, the last jobs report was, was very good, absolutely. Uh, but certainly uh, inflation remains very high at around 6.4%. I think today we're getting the consumer price index uh, report, so we'll know if, if that number continues to, to go down. But the reality is that it still remains very, very high, and he really didn't address that. He minimized it, uh, and he seemed to be really in a bubble uh, trying to you know, portray the economy as uh, you know, doing, doing very well you know, when and not recognizing the, the suffering and the pain that uh, hardworking families are going through because of, of, the, of very high prices. Uh, and at the end, his call was to finish the job. That was the tagline, right? Finish the job. But when you look to finish the job, what that means is basically uh, investing more money, spending more money, uh, in all sorts of things, uh, basically uh, spending more in, in socialist-style policies of, of excessive government involvement in the economy, in education, in energy, um, uh, in health. I mean, he called for, for price controls, uh, for you know, transfer of, of money uh, to, to, to individuals without any connection to work. I mean, those are socialist policies 
Uh, and that's really what he, uh, he proposed. And, you know, after the midterms, he was asked if he was going to change anything. He said, no. Well, and, and, and for the first time, he was actually, you know, honest. Uh, the, what he proposed is basically the same thing, more spending, uh, more tax and spend, and, and, and really the, the level of spending and, 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 the, and the level of government involvement that he's proposing is, is, is really typical of, of socialist countries. Um, uh, so it, it's really concerning, I think, what he offered. Uh, obviously, it's, it's not going to get anywhere because uh, now we have a Republican House. And the reality is that since uh, this new Congress began, not one law has passed. Uh, that is uh, what we're seeing because of the divided government that we have and the, and the inability of President Biden to to create consensus uh uh, with Republicans to reach out to Republicans and 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 and, and pass legislation. Alfonso, um, do you think uh, that those who have described uh, his uh, State of the Union address as a soft launch, uh, kind of testing the waters for this upcoming uh, 2024 presidential bid, uh, do you think that uh, there's some uh, credence to that? Oh, absolutely. As I, as I said at the very beginning, I think it was a political speech. I think it was, it was an electoral speech. I think the rumors in Washington is that he is, is, is well, he already said that he's running, uh, but he may announce as early as next month. So I, I think what, what we saw in that speech, what we heard are the general uh, outline, is the general outline of what's going to be his electoral, uh, his campaign stump speech. Uh, again, he attacked Republicans for supposedly wanting to cut uh, or end uh, Social Security and Medicare, and which is a, an outright lie. Uh, Republicans and leadership, Republican leadership is very, very clear that there's just no effort, no interest uh, to cut uh, Medicare and Social Security. If anything, Republicans want to save it. Uh, but this is uh, an, an argument that Democrats uh, usually use during campaigns. So. You know, he mentioned it uh, once again, and that's one of the perhaps the item that draw the most amount of booze uh, during the speech. Because and yells of liar, <laughs> people yelling uh, liar um, uh, during his speech. Right, because it's just not factual. Republicans don't want to cut Social Security Medicare. That was an outright lie. And it's incredible that, that he actually said that. You know, again, he mentioned uh, the deficits. Yes, uh, deficits have gone down, but that doesn't mean that the debt has gone down. The debt keeps increasing because spending is very high. You know, he mentioned the Trump administration, the deficits during the Trump administration, but he didn't mention that that that, that amount of spending during the Trump administration was due mainly because of COVID, uh, which required uh, um, government to spend in the economy for many reasons. Uh, so he really wasn't uh, transparent factual in his speech, and I think people notice. Um, we, of course, know that um, former President Trump already has announced that he's going to run again, but we just had word uh, this morning, just breaking news, that former South Carolina governor and, uh, and uh, U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley has made her announcement here this morning that she too, is running for president uh, and uh, seeking the Republican nomination uh, for uh, 2024. Uh, she did it via Twitter, a video message uh, here this morning. Uh, your thoughts on Nikki 
Haley jumping into uh, the mix? Well, it's it's interesting. Um, look, um, I think this is the beginning. I think there are going to be others that are going to throw their hat in the ring. Um, Nikki Haley is, uh, I think, was a formidable governor of South Carolina. She was an effective ambassador to the United Nations. Uh, she certainly defended issues defended issues that we care about, like the right to life. Uh, I, I don't think she 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 uh, would be is able to defeat uh, Donald Trump in a primary. Um, but uh, you know, uh, I think it's going to make the 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 primary uh, season more interesting. But as I've said, it, it is it is just the the beginning. I think we're going to see other candidates. Obviously, everyone is expecting to see what Governor DeSantis is going to do because he is the one that could really present a challenge to former President Trump. Uh, in many polls, uh, he's ahead. Uh, but, but we'll see. Uh, I don't think Governor DeSantis has decided what he's going to do yet. Uh, but, you know, I think Nikki Haley uh, 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 getting in uh, uh, basically opens the door for others to do so. There are rumors that that a governor, former uh, Governor Sununu of New Hampshire is is uh, also going to announce that he's going to run. Uh uh, also from South Carolina, Senator Tim Scott is is uh, in a listening tour to determine if he's going to run for president. So we may have others, Secretary Pompeo, uh, Governor South Dakota, uh, Christy Nome. So we may have we may have several candidates, but I don't know if any of those will be um, uh, strong enough to defeat Trump. I think only the Sanders is the only one that can really present the challenge to the former president. Also, we need to take a, a short uh, break. I want to invite our listeners, if you have a question or comment uh, for political analyst Alfonso Aguilar, the political director of Americano Media, you can uh, give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short break uh, and continue uh, discussing uh, the State of the Union address from last week and some concerns uh, specifically for Catholics and uh, people uh, who are pro-life. Uh, so stay with us. Uh, more with Alfonso uh, straight ahead on the other side. Till I'm near to you I see your face in every flower Your eyes and stars above It's just the thought of you The very thought of you Congress must restore the right that was taken away in Roe v. Wade and protect Roe v. Wade. Give every woman a constant right. The Vice President and I are doing everything to protect access to reproductive health care and safeguard patient safety. But already more than a dozen states are enforcing extreme abortion bans. Make no mistake about it. If Congress passes a national ban, I will veto it. But let's also pass. Let's also pass the Bipartisan Equality Act to ensure LGBTQ Americans, especially transgender young people, can live with safety and dignity. 
And of course, uh, that was uh, President Biden from last week's State of the Union uh, address as uh, we continue uh, breaking it down, uh, talking about uh, what the address means uh, for Catholics and uh, other people with a pro-life perspective as we continue our conversation with our good friend Alfonso Aguilar, uh, attorney, political analyst, the political director of Americano Media. Alfonso, uh, your reaction to, uh, to the words of the president when it comes uh, to the issue of abortion? And uh, in fact, he sort of trashed uh, pro-life states that are working hard to protect babies from abortions, which I think is really sad. Well, very sad uh, that the president of the United States continues his attack on the dignity of the human person. And his administration, after uh, the Dobbs case, which struck down Roe versus Wade, has done everything to try to uh, uh, defend abortion. Uh, you know, his, his uh, Food and Drug Administration has issued, uh, issued rules and guidelines to ensure that in states where abortion uh, remains legal, uh, pharmacies can stock up and disperse um, uh, abortion pills. And as you know, chemical abortion has become the number one uh, uh, method of abortion in the country. Uh, so this administration committed to abortion, sadly. Uh, but now the fight is in the states. And uh, yes, he's right. There are many states that have uh, banned the practice altogether or restricted considerably. Obviously, the fight continues. Uh, but it is true that thanks to Dobbs, we're going to see... Uh, many uh, fewer uh, uh, children uh, being killed by by abortion. Uh, he also mentioned, obviously, his uh, support for the radical LGBT agenda. And make no doubt, when he talks about trans teenagers, what he's saying, and, and that's what he's, he's, his administration is pushing, is to allow minors to have access uh, to sex change therapies and surgeries, which is really ridiculous. I mean, it is child abuse. Uh, we're seeing what's happening across the country where in some states like California, children are being taken away from parents because parents refuse to allow their children to undergo uh, sex change uh, uh, therapies or, or surgeries. Uh, and, but this is exactly what this administration is uh, supporting. So so it is sad. I mean, this administration is committed to an agenda that undermines the dignity of the, of the human person and, frankly, puts our society at risk. Uh, that's why I thought that um, Sarah Huckabee's, the, the, the governor of Arkansas's response to, to President uh, Biden's speech was so, so powerful. You know, she said that um, the, the Democratic Party and this administration has moved uh, so much to the extreme left that the that uh, the choice that Americans have right now is between you know normal and crazy, uh, and uh, you know these are crazy policies which this administration is pushing, and, and frankly, uh, uh, you know we need an alternative, and, I, and it seems to me that Republicans are presenting themselves as that alternative. So I think it was very well articulated by the governor of Arkansas to say this is a choice between normal and crazy. 
And uh, when you uh, just take a look at uh, uh, the life issue, uh, poll after poll after poll in recent years uh, has clearly said that the, the vast majority of Americans want restrictions on abortion. They don't want abortion on demand uh, the way that we're seeing it uh, portrayed in the Biden administration. And again, we're not saying this to attack uh, our Catholic president, but it's just reporting the facts. These are the facts. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as you say, the majority of Americans want to see restrictions. The majority of Americans support, uh, uh, oppose late-term abortion. And this administration uh, is doing every. I mean, when, when, when President Biden says that he wants to codify Roe versus Wade, let's be clear. Roe versus Wade allow for abortion till the very end of the pregnancy. Yes, it, it, it also um, uh, allowed for restrictions after the, uh, the the so-called viability, which is an invented arbitrary concept, but it basically d- did allow abortion through the nine months. So, uh, you know, this is the reality of the Democratic Party today. And, and, and look, you know, if, if there were Democrats today who were pro-life, you know, uh, I would identify them. And, and support them, but that, but it, it just it, 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 that that's not the reality of where the of where the Democratic Party is today. Sadly, this is a party that has fully embraced uh, an agenda that is uh, to the extreme left and that seeks to undermine uh, the person, uh, the family, and also religious freedom. Yeah, speaking of religious freedom and, and conscious rights, uh, your thoughts and, uh, about the concerns of health care providers who uh, are refusing to participate in some of these procedures like uh, abortion and so-called sex-affirming uh, surgeries. Uh, do, do you see these people really uh, having to make very difficult choices? Uh, they're really in some ways being persecuted. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is an attack... Uh on freedom of religion, uh, freedom of conscience, uh, but also on freedom of expression. I mean, we're seeing throughout the country democratic uh, uh, states and, and authorities trying to force people to do things that goes against their deeply held values. Uh, and, and this is concerning. Uh, our Constitution is very clear. Uh, it's, it's a guarantee uh, in, our, in, in, in the First Amendment uh, freedom of religion, and as as understood by by the the, the drafters of, of the Bill of Rights, it meant that government could not intervene with our freedom, uh, and uh, so so these are really concerning times where there's an effort uh, by uh, Democrats who've embraced a leftist agenda to try to limit uh, freedom of religion, to force uh, professionals to do things that uh, uh, they don't, uh, that go against their beliefs, but also to, it's a limit on freedom of expression. Uh, we've seen, for example, uh, efforts uh, by democratic states to force uh, website developers to, that don't wanna develop websites for, for uh, same-sex weddings well, uh, there have been efforts to penalize them uh, for not doing that. Uh, that's wrong. Uh, you cannot force individuals to say something with their actions that they don't believe in. What do you think was missing in President Biden's um, address? Uh, I don't remember him saying much about uh, immigration, for example. <laughs> that's it, the border. He was totally silent about the, about the border crisis. Uh, he talked about fentanyl. 
But he didn't mention that because the border is so out of control, uh, drug traffickers can more easily um, uh, enter uh, fentanyl through our ports of entry because our border patrol is overwhelmed and cannot do properly their, their policing and interdiction uh, uh, job. So he didn't talk about the border crisis at all. I mean, since, he, since he's been in office, uh, we've had uh, uh, 5 million encounters at the southern border. That's, that's a record. We've never seen this type of massive flow through the border. But he, he just didn't talk about it. There was just one line about it. Well, we're going to have to leave it uh, right there. We've talked about it here on the show in the past. Uh, it is uh, such a concerning issue, uh, the fentanyl, just because of the Americans, especially the young kids uh, that are dying uh, in, in the tens and tens of thousands. Uh, Alfonso, as always, really appreciate uh, your perspective and uh, especially your, your Catholic and pro-life uh, point of view. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much. Political analyst Alfonso Aguilar, the political director of Americano Media. Now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. My favorite Valentine's Day story for us today, our story called Not a One. Little Chad was a shy, quiet young man. One day he came home and told his mom that he'd like to make a Valentine for everyone in his class. Her heart sank. She thought, I wish she wouldn't do that, because she'd watch the children when they walked home from school. Her Chad was always behind them. They laughed and hung on to each other and talked to each other, but Chad was never included. Nevertheless, she decided that she'd go along with her son. So she purchased the paper and glue and crayons, and for three weeks, night after night, Chad painstakingly made 35 Valentines. Valentine's Day dawned, and Chad was beside himself with excitement. He carefully stacked them up, put them in a bag, and bolted out the door. His mother decided to bake him his favorite cookies and serve them nice and warm with a cool glass of milk when he got home from school. She just knew that he'd be disappointed and maybe that would ease the pain a little. It hurt her to think that he wouldn't get many valentines, maybe none at all. That afternoon, she had the cookies and milk on the table. When she heard the children outside, she looked out the window and sure enough, there they came laughing and having the best time. And as always, there was Chad in the rear. He walked a little faster than usual. She fully expected him to burst into tears as soon as he got inside. His arms were empty, she noticed, and when the door opened, she choked back the tears. Honey, I have some cookies and milk for you, she said. But he hardly heard her words. He just marched right on by, his face glowing. All he could say was, not a one, not a one. His mother's heart sank at first, but then she noticed the huge smile on his face as he added, I didn't forget a one, not a single one. Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, Martha Fernandez Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLove.com, will explain what it means to love like a Valentine on this day, and we'll also talk about what exactly we are celebrating. Plus, Catholic apologist William Albrecht uh, will talk about some of the common objections to our Catholic faith, uh, such as uh, why do we call priests father and much much more so do not change that dial there is much more to come here uh, in the final hour of morning air on relevant radio and the relevant radio app